the Fibber McGee and Bolly Show. Every weekday at this time, NBC brings you Fibber McGee and Molly transcribed. The show is written by Phil Leslie and directed by Max Huckle. Fibber and Molly will be with you in a minute. If you're between the ages of 18 and 55, there's a job open for you in the nursing profession. Although there are more nurses active in the profession today than ever before, the demand continues to outstrip the supply. Right now, the National Association of Practical Nurse Education could employ an additional 60,000 practical nurses a year. Hospital and health facilities are continuing to expand. As a result, countless opportunities are open to the woman who becomes a professional or practical nurse. Older women particularly are finding the profession of practical nursing highly rewarding as a career. To qualify as a student in professional nursing, you must be a high school graduate or college student in good health. For practical nursing, an elementary school or high school graduate, depending on age. If you're interested in the security of a well-paying, honorable profession, write Nursing Careers, care of your local postmaster, or inquire at your nearest school of nursing or hospital. This is a sad moment at 79 Wistful Vista. Because here in the living room, waiting for the verdict of a surgeon, the tree surgeon, on the faith of the old oak tree in the front yard, we find Fibber, McGee, and Molly. For goodness sakes, McGee, stop pacing up and down. There's nothing you can do about it. The best specialist in town has charge now. I know, I know, but gee whiz, this suspense is awful. I know how you feel, dearie. I love that old tree, too. I love every scar on it. Yep. And the holes you bored in the trunk for maple syrup before you found out it was an oak. Ah, the memories. Well, brace yourself, kiddo. Here's the bad news. Come in. Hello there, Molly, and good day to you, Blue Joy. Oh, hello, Doc. Hello, Dr. Gamble. Sit down. Hey, what's going on here? You two look like you just got an eviction notice. No, nothing like that, Doc. It's just that we're expecting some bad news. The doctor is here. Dr. Beechwood. Dr. Beechwood? I don't believe I... Wait a minute. What is this? By George, this is a fine thing after all these years. Where is this Dr. Beechwood? Out in front, Doc. Up in the tree. Up in the tree? Sure knows his business, too. He shimmied up that big round trunk like a salmon up the Columbia. Hmm, I see. Some emergency arose, so instead of calling old Doc Gamble, you consult a stranger. He takes one look at Leatherhead here and goes out and climbs a tree. Well, I hope you'll all be very happy together. I'll be running along. Hey, wait a minute, Tallow Tommy. Wait a minute. You don't understand. He's a tree surgeon, Doctor. What? A tree surgeon? Yeah. Oh. Oh! Well, I'd like to meet this doctor. Oh, dear. I hope he says he can save it. Keep a stiff upper lip, Molly. There's still hope. Come in. Well, I've finished my examination, Mr. McGee. It's... Oh, uh, am I intruding? Not at all, Dr. Beechwood. We'd like you to meet an old friend of ours. Dr. Beechwood, Dr. Gamble. Dr. Beechwood is a tree doctor, Dr. Gamble. And Dr. Gamble is a people doctor, Dr. Beechwood. Now, how do you do, Doctor? How do you do, Doctor? I take it all is not oak with the oak? It's a pretty serious case, I'm afraid. Uh, tell me, Mrs. McGee, has this tree of yours any history of Dutch moth, uh, any childhood diseases that you know of? No, I don't think so, Doctor. 
Though, as I recall, it had a bad attack of woodpeckers in 1937. Oh, woodpeckers. Well, hmm. Then in 1949, we noticed the leaves didn't come out on it, Doc. Every year we keep thinking it'll bud in the spring, but it don't. So we're getting worried. You think, uh, I mean, uh... Is there any hope, Doctor? If you good people would be so kind as to uh, leave the room for a moment, I should like to consult with Dr. Gamble. Would you honor me, Doctor? Delighted, Doctor. Perhaps I can help you to get to the root of the trouble. You'll excuse us, Molly? Yes, Doctor. Come on, McGee. Okay. Do everything you can, men. Remember, expense is no object. As long as it don't cost too much. Well, how's business these days, Doctor? Oh, I can't complain, Doctor. Though I sometimes envy you tree surgeons. Oh, how so, Doctor? Well, sometimes it seems so simple to slap a hundred pounds of cement into a patient, paint him with tar, and brace him up with a few two-by-fours. Yes, it has its <laughs> points, Doctor. Although, on the other hand... You're in no danger of a patient falling over on you and breaking your neck. <laughs> well, incidentally, Doctor, how about the oak tree out front? Does it look bad? Oh, that's not a tree, Doctor. That's a perpendicular stack of firewood. Hmm. Why, that thing's better than five-cent coffee. Well, why stall around, Doctor? Why not tell them? Mm, looks better this way, Doctor. More dignity. Well, better call him in now, I guess. And, uh, Doctor, please try to look more serious. Hmm? We've been consulting. Yes, of course, Doctor. Come in, McGee. Well, Doc, what's the verdict? My boy, I'm afraid it's bad news. You mean? Yes, Mrs. McGee. As it must to all trees, the end has come to the old oak. Oh, sure. It has battled its way through life from tiny acorn to sturdy tree. It has stood between your home and the fierce heat of the sun. It has been a barrier between you and the tempest. But now the birds must seek another resting place. The whippoorwill must sing his plaintive call from elsewhere, and my fee is seven dollars and a half. Oh, and it was such a beautiful tree. Ah, oh, forget it, Molly. With that thing chopped down, maybe the paper boy can hit the front porch now and then. Well, here's your dough, Doc. Oh, thank you. Uh, nice to have met you, Doctor. Thank you, Doctor. See you up in a tree sometime. Good. I'll be the one out on the limb. Good day. Bye, Doctor. Ah, you'll be glad to get rid of that old dead tree, Molly. I'll call up a firewood company and let them come and cut it down for free firewood. I'll give him a whole tree just to, just to get rid of it. Hand me the phone. I'll call up someone. There's more fun with the McGee's shortly. The word research has become pretty familiar to all of us in the last ten years or so. But have you ever stopped to think what research, especially medical research, means to you personally? Without research, we would have no penicillin or any of the other wonder drugs. Research is also the most important weapon in the fight against mental illness. And mental illness today afflicts more than 9 million people. Already, research has opened up leads for preventing many mental illnesses, and research has shown us speedier and more effective ways of helping mentally sick people to get well. Research scientists say we can be hopeful, but they need help from us. They need money to carry on research. If we help science... Science can give us a much better chance to escape mental illness and to cure mental illness if it should strike. If you'd like to help, give to the Mental Health Fund in care of your local postmaster. Just address Mental Health Fund in care of your local postmaster. Don't wait. This worthwhile cause needs your support now. What you mean you're not interested? You're in the firewood business, ain't you? Oh, dear. Well, maybe you don't understand me, bud. I says I got a well-dried oak tree in my yard with eight or nine cords of pine firewood in it, and I'm giving it to you free. 
All you got to do is cut it down and cut it up, and hello, hello? Hmm. They're not interested either. No. I'll check them off the list. That's the last one. My gosh, I don't know what's the matter with them firewood guys, the lazy bums. Say, we have a fireplace, you know. We could use some good firewood. Country <laughs> boy! Hello there, kid! Put them on the sink, Mr. Oldtimer. Like I say, McGee, that tree would make a fine stack of wood for next winter. We could just... Exactly. Make a wonderful stack of wood. That's what I've been telling these guys on the phone, but you can't even give things away anymore. Why don't you give it away, Johnny? I'll take it. What is it? A tree. That big tree in the front. Oh, no, thanks, kids. I got a tree. Two of them, in fact. Really? Very interesting trees, too. Bought them at the bond time. Shoe trees, they call them. Something new, I guess. Shoe trees? Oh, well, that's not the kind of a yep. tree. Got them set out in the backyard, kids. Kind of disappointing, though. I've been watering them every day for a month. They ain't grown a shoe so far. <laughs> Wrong kind of soil, I guess. Yeah, that's probably it. That's what my girlfriend Bessie said, anyway. Say, how is Bessie these days? Haven't seen her lately. Oh, she's just fine, daughter. Got herself a new job this week. And made her head grease lady down at the bus barn. Head grease lady? That sounds like an important job. Was, Johnny, and she loved it. Yeah? Got fired the first day, though. Fired already? Oh, you know how some people are, kids. Just can't be trusted with a gun. They put a grease gun in Bessie's hands, and she went kind of trigger-happy on him. <laughs> Trigger happy. Went around all day, chuckling to herself and shooting grease into everything that squeaked. She was getting along fine till the boss showed up. What happened? Well, the boss had one of them high, squeaky voices. You know, that sounds like a tomcat swinging on a rusty gate. As soon as he come in, he started hollering orders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, sir, when Bessie seen that open mouth and heard them squeaky noises coming out, she got a kind of a glazed look in her eyes, raised the gun, and... Put four pounds of transmission lube in him before he could clap his teeth shut. Heavenly days. <laughs> Seemed kind of like that oiled up his vocal cords, and they claim later that he blistered the paint off the ceiling when he fired Bessie because... Say, am I boring you, Johnny? Well, frankly, yes. I've got a problem I'm trying to figure out, and I find it a little hard to concentrate. It's that big oak tree in the front yard, Mr. Oldtimer. It has to come down. You need some firewood? Because I'm giving that complete tree absolutely free. Including a rubber ball and two bird's nests in the top. To anybody that'll come in here and cut it down. There's 75 or $80 worth of firewood in that tree, enough to last you the rest of your life if you don't take too good care of yourself, and you'll be sure to get... He's gone. I can't understand it. The way people in this town act, you'd think cutting down a tree was a lot of work or something. Isn't it? Why, of course not. Let me see, who else can I call? Well, you've tried all the fuel companies. Yeah, and I offered it to the phone company for telephone poles, and the match company wasn't interested. What about that toothpick factory down at 14? No, I called them, too. They already got a tree. They just bought it in 1943, so they got plenty of wood left. It sure would make a nice stack of logs for the fireplace. I even went so far as to call a tree removal company. They call themselves. You know what they wanted? What? They wanted to charge me for it. Them, charge me for all that firewood. Sixty bucks they wanted to take that tree down. Pretty steep. Well, there's only one thing left to do, I guess. Yep. Seems to me the only way out. Good. Nobody else wants it, and I'm certainly not going to pay sixty bucks to have it cut down. Well, maybe I could... No, no. I guess this is the only way out. Don't rush into it now. I'm not. My mind is made up. There's only one thing to do about that dead oak tree, and I'm going to do it. Good for you. You want me to get your old clothes for you? No, sir. Get me the evening paper. Paper? What are you going to do? Only thing I can do, Molly. Let that oak tree set there. What? My gosh, I tried all over town. You saw how scared of work everybody is. Maybe the wind will blow it down some night, and if it falls in the street, the city will have to haul it away, so the only thing to do is to let... Say goodnight to Fibber and Molly in a moment. 
This is Bill Goodwin, ladies and gentlemen. Have you heard the wonderful new features on Bob Hope's morning radio show? Bob Hope and the Experts, for instance, provides about as many laughs as you can crowd into a few minutes. Real experts like Don Loper on styles and fashions, Kitty Termel on etiquette, and Chef Milani on cooking. They're Bob's guests and answer questions from the audience while Bob helps with answers of his own. Let's listen in on Bob and Chef Milani, for instance, during a recent session. How are you, Giuseppe? I got a massage. I got a massage from you from Luigi. I got a massage in my pocket. See, he speaks a better English than I do. You know, when he was uh, three years old, he could speak a better English than I speak now. I'm a 47 years old. Well, that's the kind of fun you're missing if you don't try to listen to Bob Hope every morning on this NBC station. See your local paper for the time. By George, they got a lot of nerve. Who, McGee? What's the matter? Who was on the phone? That was the city hall, Department of Public Welfare. Yeah? Seems that tree doctor turned in a report that we got a dead tree on the premises. And the city has ordered me to take it down. Can they make you? Yes. What are you going to do? I'm going to worry about it tomorrow. Good night. <laughs> Good night, all. NBC has brought you the Fibber, McGee, and Molly program transcribed with Bill Thompson as the old-timer, Arthur Q. Bryan as Dr. Gamble, and Chris O'Brien as Dr. Beechwood. This is John Wald telling you not to miss tomorrow night when the story of the three fleas is told to peace by Mr. McGee of Fibber, McGee, and Molly. Tonight, hear a special report on the Indochina situation on the NBC radio network.